When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Showing the road. Defending the champion, welcome, Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 73 and uh, tonight we're going to be talking last night's incredible UFC 261 as well as uh, a couple of little bits of news. But most importantly, we'll be chatting to our guest, the champ. Let's get a quick glimpse there. uh, You can watch the show's in youtube.com slash ace podcast station or you can download them at your favorite podcast platform just search ace podcast nation and there is over 400 shows on all sorts of subjects featuring top guests expert analysts and more so give us a follow on social media subscribe to youtube click the bell for notifications speaking of bells joining me tonight is the legend (laughs) former Ex Cage Warriors champion, legend of the game. It is hardcore Danny Batten. Welcome, my friend. How are you? All right, Sire. And you know when you say ex world champion, that was ex through choice, just so everyone knows. <laughs> you gave it up. <laughs> gave it up. <laughs> and it's yeah, no, I'm good. doing. I'm, I'm doing good, Sire. I'm loving this slowly warming weather. That's been absolute godsend because it seems like with this winter's really dragged on. Not that it's been particularly harsh, but. I don't know, it just seems to have gone on long. But uh, so enjoying the nice, you know, warming weather. And also, my God, last night, I can't wait for this podcast. This is amazing. Last night was amazing. And then, of course, uh, it's always a good time when we are joined by our guest. But it is the first time he has joined us since he became Cage Warriors Champion of the World. The champ is here. Jordan, the epidemic. Yeah. Genic. Yeah, that's me. How goes it, my friend? I'm all good. I'm all good. Get the belt up. Come on, give us a good, good glimpse. We haven't had a, we haven't had a, a champ on since Mason Jones was on with his belt up all that time ago. Look at that, beautiful, Can beautiful. I... It still says Morgan Sherrier on it though. Hang on a minute, Danny. I want to. I said his name. I'm gonna have to start with with him. Um, so I've been. I've said a few times recently. I wasn't very happy with the way he conducted himself after the fight. Did that annoy you a bit, mate? Or did you just put it down to him being disappointed that he got his ass whooped? 
know me. I'm just the night. I'm just a nice guy, and I so no one likes to get whooped by the guy that's very nice after fights. I'm respectful. It probably would have been better if I told him to fuck off. Um, yeah. <laughs> nah, I weren't bothered by it. I was just happy to win, to finally overtake Danny, my life goal. But I did it better. Much like Justin Timberlake, he was bringing sexy back. But um, yeah, I just, I just thought it was poor, like because it was a good fight. But you had won for me anyway. I thought you'd won pretty clearly, like. And I just thought, look, I know you, you know, everyone's gonna be, everyone's disappointed when they lose, especially if you've got a lot of hype behind you and. You got a big following or whatever, and you and you've lost your title. Look, of course yeah. you're disappointed, but suck it up, shake hands, and then go and have your tantrum. Away. Don't, yeah, don't. I just think just thought it made him look a bit petty and a bit childish. He didn't like it, and I've said that a few times recently. But uh, of course, Morgan Sherry, if you want to come on the show, you're more than welcome, and I'll ask you. But uh, he won't. Be humble in victory and defeat. Yeah, mate, that's it. You got, I think, more so in victory, but equally, I think, you know, when you do get beaten by the better person on that night, yeah, you got to suck it up. And I thought, like, just an, as another example, like Zhang Huaili last night, I thought she was going to beat Rose. Rose beat her with a beautiful uh, high kick, which we'll talk about later, but... But like at first, she was really frustrated, and I think that was more down to the fact she didn't know what the fuck happened. And then when she saw the video replay, her whole demeanor changed, and she shook hands, and she was like much more kind of thing. But when she thought it had been an early stoppage, she was frustrated. But ultimately, I just think you've got to look at the way Jorge Masvidal conducted himself after he got knocked out last night, Danny. And he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. That guy's never been stopped or hasn't been stopped since really early in his career. So that was not just losing. It was losing a fight which had a lot of hype. He had said a lot of stuff. And Kamara Usman pieced him up and then knocked him out. He still shook yeah. his hands and, you know, he, he was respectful, mate, wasn't he? Yeah, I think, you know, it goes... Or both ways, or even three ways, if you get draws and you, you, you perhaps was disappointed or, or, or you feel you was lucky to get, get the draw. I think how you conduct yourself in win, lose or draw situation. You know, I don't know. We're all, we're all grown men and women. We, we should act like such. I understand that passions and, you know, emotions do get the better of each other sometimes, but it's just an ugly thing, isn't it? When you, yeah. you know, lose badly and it's just a childistic response and, and I frown upon it a little bit. For sure, mate. One of the things um, I like about these big UFC, like the pay-per-view shows, and of course the fans were back, which made it even more of a of a hype train. But one of the things I love about it is the days afterwards, Dana White can't keep his mouth shut. So he's like, yeah, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this. So like they're already saying if McGregor beats Poirier, they're going to do McGregor versus uh, Kamara Usman, which I think you know, potentially has got a, a massive appeal to it from a pay-per-view point of view. Um, obviously, Covington is there waiting for that match. They've got to do that, I think. Um, I think Kobe Covington deserves that. Then you add Jake Paul and Daniel Cormier at a confrontation uh, at the pay-per-view, um, which was another interesting thing. Like, um, so Jake, what Jake Paul said about that is... Um, Basically, he just saw Daniel Cormier kind of looking him up and down and he didn't like it. And they had um, 
Yeah, they had a bit of a thing, and there's a video going around of Daniel Cormier saying, "If I see Jake Paul, I'm going to smack him." <laughs> is what? where it is. Am I it? gone? You're there, but your camera's you. gone but, off, mate. But that's all right. Keep it as it is. <laughs> I'm like a fucking ghost. Wait there. I'll leave and come back. Don't know what's going on here. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's a weird <laughs> one, mate. Isn't it? Like they all love it, don't they? These fighters, like they love the hype. Um, I gotta say, like Jake Paul, of all the people to be mouthing off, I'm not sure like a UFC heavyweight's the way to go. Um, because he's just, you know what I mean? But it is, he's just what I hate about it is it's more um attention for, for Jake Paul. Um, but uh, I did see some interesting um things regards to him because obviously. All the UFC fighters now are sort of calling for Jake Paul to have a, a proper challenge. So if he's going to fight another MMA fighter, make it be one who's incredible at striking. And yeah, let's, see, yeah. let's see if he, you know, like he said, Jake Paul was saying, I've proven myself now. I've beaten a proper fighter. And he said, no, Ben Askren, whilst you know he's an Olympic level wrestler, he's never been a good striker. And also, I didn't realize that fight, the boxing match, which we talked about last week, was at 190 pounds. Which is why Ben Askren looked so out shape and so big mm-hmm. because he he's never fought at that weight. So yeah. um, personally, I would I'd, I'd like to see good looking today. I would I would like to see Vigenic versus Jake Paul myself. I think that'd uh, be good. Jo- I think Jordan could I'll, give him a. I would split decision him up all day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did, did you watch that last week? Uh, no, I George. didn't. I didn't. I didn't even watch the UFC last night. I loved the UFC, and um, got to get my recovery in. I need to get that sleeping. Can't be <laughs> sleeping. watching it. Sleeping So yeah, sleep but I've watched all that. I know all the results. I've watched the highlights. I just try not to look at my social media till I've watched it the next day. So no yeah. So basically, you just steal other people's opinions. Yeah, pretty much. I was. I, I mean, I, I thought that if one fight I was sure, and I thought that um, Wei Li would win, but she got yeah. smoked, didn't she? She got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> Absolutely, she, she did. Badly, didn't she? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, when we did our predictions last week, and it was uh, me, Danny, and Aiden James, done him, and we all kind of agreed, like we just thought Shang Wei Li would be able to take everything that Rose could throw from a striking point of view. And she'd yeah. just be too much. Like she bulldozed her. She didn't get the chance. Like Rose set her up beautifully. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, just uh, out of interest, Jordan, who do you think is going to win McGregor versus Poirier three? Think Poirier can game. I think McGregor. Well. Money. Hang on, your, your mic's in and out. I don't know whether that's just your me. Your audio is a bit weird, George. What's yeah, you was in and out then. <laughs> Have you got bad connection now or what? You bleeping yourself out, are you? <laughs> I don't know what I prefer. I don't know whether I liked it when you was blacked out or whether the fact that your mouth's moving, I just can't hear you. <laughs> It's just like it was as if he was bleeping himself out. So it was just like every other word was like, bleh, 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 bleh. yeah. What's going on? You, you, I don't know. If you got your hand over the mic. 
<laughs> sign language. Going. Nah, it's gone. I just kicked him out. He'll have to come back in and reset that. That was weird. Um, yeah, incredible show though, mate. Last night, I um, really just so good, so good to have the fans back, mate. I got to say, like, I was I was watching it today, and I was so excited and pumped to hear the fans at the entrances, to hear them chanting. Like Anthony Smith had such a massive reaction, like when he mm. was in getting started and as the fight was kicking, I just thought that must be more incredible than it's ever been to have the fans yeah. in the attendance like that. Hey, motherfuckers, I'm back. Here he is. Oh, oh. Hey, motherfuckers. I'm back. And, um, Am I back? Am I chatting? Yeah, you're back. Yeah. You're back and chatting yeah, shit. That's right. Let's, start, let's fucking start the show properly now. Let's go. Right. Jordan, what <laughs> do you think? Uh, you haven't watched this, so I can't ask you that question. Danny, what did you think? About having the fans back. This show is going to be a railroad of bullshit tonight. I can see it already. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, look, I've appreciated the, you know, when it was all quiet and you could hear the cornerman, you were hearing the gloves, you heard the slap of the leg kicks, which you still get a little bit of a sense of when we're watching it with fans. But yeah, it, it I think because we've been without fans for some time now, it's kind of really nice to have it all back. Um, it really adds to the mood. And I actually think some of the fighters performed differently or, or more better through having the fans there. Yeah. You know, mentioned I um, yeah, Smith. I, I think, true. yeah, I think Smith, yeah, Smith just looked hyped up, hemp, hemped up. He just looked like good and ready to go. I've not seen him like that. Normally comes yeah. out quite placid. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. And I only win but, by split decision when there's no fans there. <laughs> when there's fans there, I'll stop someone. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you keep talking about how you caught me up well you haven't you've only just won the title i won it on my first outing in case warriors and defended it that's because it was only you and one other person in in the cage warriors <laughs> but that's not true just that's not true i tko'd someone submitted someone and won on decision uh, see well yeah. <laughs> What? So hopefully, one day I'll be able to do to someone what Gene Silver done to you. <laughs> <laughs> Only if that poor bugger was doing two fights in one week and fighting over two different weights like I was at that time. Oh, so, so. <laughs> we, we were in the coffee shop at the old gym. We were all crowded around watching this video. Danny came over like, "Oh, what you watching? What are they watching? watching?" And it was him that said Gene Silver. <laughs> 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 Yeah, uh, bless you, um, mm. Jordan. Yeah, are we going to see you in the next Cage Warriors trilogy? When is this? Uh, May is it? No, oh, June. June. Yeah, are we going to see you in the June one yet? All I have heard since the fight is silence, so I don't actually know. I haven't mm. had anything back, so I can't confirm anything. I've not spoke to anybody. Messages have been sent, but none have been sent to me. See, so like um. Who do you think deserves that shot the most? Paul Hughes, I, I believe, deserves a shot the most. He had a very close fight with me. He went out and beat the the top contender. Um, but I ain't the matchmaker, so I don't say what happens. Um, yeah. I didn't realise the Morgan Sharia fight was as close as it was until I got to watch it back. So I ain't mm. the matchmaker. I just fight whoever they put in front of me, whether that is... 
whoever doesn't matter we'll just just beaten by split decision every it's, time yeah yeah well now this crowd's back so hopefully i might get a unanimous maybe no there you go <laughs> gotta build it up step by yeah, step yeah yeah then um, submission then tko <laughs> but um yeah it's, it's one of them i'm assuming like you're ready and willing and uh are you inj injury free and stuff yeah yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with me at all. I'm just, do you know what? I'm I just didn't say that. I didn't say there was nothing wrong with you. I just said, are you injury free? Come on. <laughs> My coach is down here. There's got to be something wrong with me. But um, <laughs> I'm just enjoying training. I mean, yeah. I would like to say that my voice is deep as it is because my balls are finally dropped after 25 minutes. <laughs> unfortunately, I think I've just got a chest infection. I think that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> what, um, what was the reaction? at the BST Academy when you came back for the first time as the champ? They Did they give you like a, a guard of honour? They were just flocking to me. Everyone, <laughs> no, they was not. <laughs> they were like praying. I was like, what's that? We, like we was all like, guard of honour. We was all like, oh no, this guy was big-headed and loving himself before. What's he going to be like now? It was no, like, you know, no. You know what? They all said, you know, I was the champ before I even was the champ. <laughs> They all know me. They just knew I was destined for so much more. So, <laughs> and did, did you do a, like a parade through Corby as well? well and, yeah, know, well, open top bus. Yeah, something like that. Well, I walked in, seen Danny's belt, seen how small it was, and just. <laughs> 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 um, we did get them out and compare. We did. I've heard things. I've heard things. It's um. Dan, uh, well, you both mentioned the Pro Fight League, which started last night um, as well. Uh, so I wanted to just touch on that very quickly. I haven't watched them yet. But, um, Jordan, you mentioned, uh, what's his head? I've forgotten his name again. Uh, Brendan Lachlan uh, from the UK had an yep. impressive performance. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, mate. Uh, he fought Shaman Marais, who was um, a top guy in the UFC, had, a, had some top class wins, fought Zabit. Uh, Magomed Sharipov. This guy was a good high-level Thai boxer and uh, Brendan just sort of went out there and smoked him. Um, and with the featherweights, they've, they've done a tournament and he's six points clear straight at the top of the straight at the top of the tournament. So fair play to him. He just come out, kept it nice and quick punches, nice and long and just once he smelt blood, he finished him. It was it was mm. a it was an exceptional performance. It really was. And he's one of the guys that I'm always watching and um, I look forward to watching them and yeah, he didn't disappoint. He just um, went out and blitzed him. Yeah, even in the pro fight league, these UK guys are really uh, making a statement at the moment. Yeah, and it's like from from him and, and from Aspinall in the UFC heavyweight division, you know, and all these other guys um, throughout the different divisions. It's exciting times for British MMA because there's just so many. You you look around, there's so many fighters who you think, well, you know, in a year or two, we could have several UK champions within. MMA and the biggest companies in the world, particularly in UFC and Bellator. Uh, Danny, obviously, Brett Johns is making his debut in the Bellator bantamweight division soon. Um, you've got Aspidal in the UFC heavyweight. You've got Leon Edwards. You've got Jack Shaw. You've got Modestus. You've got all these. There's so many, too many to name. And then there's another, like Mason Jones is fighting again soon. You've Then you've got these wave of guys like Jordan and um, a few others in the top top of the cage warriors division obviously got paddy buddy uh pimbler has got to make his ufc debut at some point soon like there's like this wave of top class talent 
poised to sort of enter that UFC Bellator top level in the world. And what do you think um, the state of MMA from a British point of view is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, we absolutely fermented ourselves on the world scene without a shadow of a doubt. We was always impressive over on the US, European side of things. But since we've really established ourselves, which has been really in recent years, and we've been in UFC regards British fighters for some time, but I think in just the recent years, we've really started hitting into our own. You know, you're not seeing British fighters getting in there, getting wrestled up anymore, like I think we're well, susceptible look, to. Look at Jack Shaw the other week, wasn't it, mate? Um, yeah. Um, like, they were so surprised by his wrestling that exactly. he out-wrestled his opponent. It was almost like a... Oh my God! A British, a British guy can wrestle. They yeah. were almost surprised by it, the commentators. So that is exciting. Uh, another yeah. fight from the Pro Fight League, which you mentioned, Dan, to me was the Anthony Pettis, obviously a, a established UFC veteran. Uh, he fought Clay Collard. Tell me a little bit about that fight. Yeah, a really good fight to watch, actually. And uh, I ne never really knew much about this Clay Collard. Never paid him much attention. My goodness, he was good. Um, he wasn't doing anything super fancy or anything like that. Just had great principles and good strategy and planning. Um, the commentation was really good as well. The commentating on there because uh, they were kind of filling us in on what this Clay Collard was all about and um, what he had said in interviews on how he's going to deal with Pettis and how he felt that he should take the fight to him to, to not give him space to strike back and so on and so forth. And it absolutely worked a treat. He did get caught. I mean, but come on, this is Anthony Pettis, very, very dangerous striker. You give him a bit of space, he could be flamboyant with those kicks. He's also got good hands and can be a bit of a trickster on the ground as well. But Clay Collard, he closed in using a lot of body shots, like clustering, sometimes up to five hit body combinations, um, was playing some really nice strategy, I felt, regards Anthony Pettis being grounded and him being stood over not allowing him to get back to his feet so willy-nilly, just scoring. Um, this is something mm. that I felt, feel like it's not being done in UFC, but I think it could be capitalised upon. And that is just standing over your uh, your opponent and kicking the legs, just absorbing more of the minutes and seconds off that round while you're in a dominant position. You know, don't always just let them straight back up. So although Clay Collard was doing a, a, a damn good job on Pettis on the feet, he also just knew how to take more of those seconds and minutes from each round, making Pettis have to really try to chase back in each of those rounds, which was opening him up to more of the Clay Collard onslaught. And it really began to get a bit of a pattern. Pettis had a really good bit in that third round. Um, it, yeah, the good head did. kick I just saw. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was wonderful. And that's the thing, when you give uh, Pettis space, he starts getting creative, he starts getting loose with his strikes, starts getting rangy, gets hard to read. Um and so Clay Collard had to fight through some adversity in that third round. And really, it was a case of Pettis had to play like that. He had to start really going all out to try to get yeah. something in motion. Nearly pulled off for him, but not quite. But that Clay Collard, he's got my attention. He's going to be someone I'm going to be looking out for. With the PFL, it's no elbows, is it? Oh, really? I didn't right. even know that. You're not allowed to elbow on PFL. Uh, that might be. They, have to, they might have to differentiate some rules so it ain't the same as UFC possibly I don't know but that's quite surprising yeah. right. so with the PFL is that basically it's like a league system is it so yeah they, yeah, they just scoring system so a knockout will get you six points and a win will get you three and so on and so forth and it's mm. just every Saturday they have a, do a show and well I think I think they're doing a million dollar um, 
they're doing like a million dollar weight class at the minute and you become the champion and become a millionaire so oh wow that's yeah. uh, incredible that is. Uh, yeah i'm gonna watch that i'm gonna definitely gonna keep an eye on that each week we'll have a little we'll have a little look at it each week not necessarily match by match but we can pick out a couple of performances each week um jordan before we move on to last night's sort of ufc and stuff um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I know we did like a little interview after we had Brad uh, Wharton on before the last Cage Warriors event. But um, like obviously with fans coming back and stuff now, uh, slowly but surely, like what's the last year, 18 months been like from a professional fighter's point of view with COVID and restrictions on gyms and training and stuff like that? Like how difficult has it been? Um. The, the first lockdown was obviously the lockdown where we didn't really train at all. That's when we had the long break. So I was just in the mind frame of just uh, everybody sitting down on the couch doing nothing. I was going to keep working. I was doing three hour bike rides every morning and I was doing kettlebells and hitting the bag and stuff like that at, uh, in the evening. So I was still trying to keep consistent and train twice a day. And you could see it when we got back after the second lockdown, I was in shape, whereas everybody had got sort of out of shape. Mm. But, um, in reference to the fighting in the lockdown, I just thought of it. It would be such a good thing to be able to look back on and say, oh, in that pandemic when everything was shut down, I fought. I fought three times behind closed doors. And especially for me, I get to say I won a world title behind closed doors in a pandemic. Mm. So for me, it's just like a good legacy thing. I can get to look back mm -hmm. on it and say, yeah, oh, I've done better than my coach did, Danny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um... Yeah. In that next trilogy, is there fans at that in the June yeah, trilogy? Have they announced that? Or I'm sure there is. I'm sure, yeah, fans are back for the next trilogy because um, that's going to be so much. They selling tickets for my Morgan Sharia fight, but they they cancelled it like six days out. They had to um, make it go mm. behind closed doors. So yeah, it wasn't quite there yet, was it? In terms of that far along and stuff with the COVID restrictions yeah. and that. But uh, but like that's going to be some atmosphere at that Cage Warriors show because I think all fight fans and MMA fans and stuff, I think they all appreciate, we all appreciate that Cage Warriors and UFC have kept putting on these incredible shows throughout COVID. Like, if you think of all the lockdowns and stuff, if there was no, i got to say, if there was no football and no MMA or no UFC and Cage Warriors, I would have been going out of my mind. But luckily, you know, Cage Warriors, UFC have been putting on these, not just shows, by the way, and, they haven't just been like chucking on the lower level fighters just to be able to say that they're putting on a show. They've yeah. been rolling out the superstars behind closed doors. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for that because it's not easy to do that, I don't think, and yes, do it safely. A lot goes into it. Especially Cage Warriors, because you see they've got the money to do these shows. Yeah. But the smaller shows like Cage Warriors, and I know they're still quite a big show European-wise, but wow. They're, they're not UFC, they, are they? Like, Fantastic job with the um with the yeah. fights and the guys they had on. How did you feel about your boy, by the way? I remember you were telling me you were nervous for um Ben Ellis on the first night and um he was doing so yeah. good that whole first round and again that's a crazy thing of MMA, just one thing just steps caught. back. Crazy. Crazy Yeah, I was gutted, mate. Really, really was gutted because yeah. he's looked so impressive in his in his fights building up to that. He looked so good in the first round, he yeah, looked so comfortable. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's that thing, isn't it, with the MMA? Like a fighter can look so comfortable and look like you just think, oh, they're gonna, they're either gonna cruise to three or five round victory, or they're gonna finish it. Yeah, and it just takes that one shot. Like 
that Usman and Masvidal fight in the first round was pretty good. Looked like it was going to just probably go, you know, quite deep into the fight again. All of a sudden, Usman's banged him out, and it's all over. And it's it's the the love love of the game, mate. I love it. It's um, just so unpredictable. And like I think me and Danny, we did all our predictions last week, and I don't think many of them were right. I got to say. Um, let's talk about that UFC then, Dan, from last night. Um, incredible show. Uh, first and foremost, incredible to have the fans back. That atmosphere was absolutely electric. Um, I got to say, uh, after Chris Weidman's injury, which we'll talk about in a second, I am kind of glad that the fans were back because the noise that that made uh, when he hit that kick, even with the fans there, was ho- horrifying. But if there was no fans there, that would have been, I feel, even more distressing for the people who were there, like the you know the refs, the doctors, the com- commentators. Like, I think what people forget is like someone like Chris Weidman has been there for what ten years or something. Like, he's got a lot of friends. Those people who are on commentary, for instance, you know, they're his friends. They're not just commentating on his fight. They're out of the ring and away from it. They're, you know, they're friends. Um, so to see your friend go through something so horrific. But you still have to do your job and commentate and stuff. It must be difficult, um, and it was horrifying. So I was quite glad that um, you know the fans were there. Valentina Shevchenko is an absolute beast. Um, I want to see Nunes Shevchenko. That's the only fight which interests me for either one. Yeah, yeah. There's no one. There's no one, is there? Like who? No, else? There's nothing else there. There's that one uh, woman in Shevchenko's division. Who they mentioned, I've forgotten her name. I'll find, I'll find it now. Who's like an up and comer, but to me, they'd be mad to give her to Shevchenko now. They got to mm. keep building her because you feed it to Shevchenko now, you could do more damage than good. Like everyone was saying in the build up to this fight, uh, if Andrade takes it to the floor, then she might have a chance, or if she's in the clinch, she might have a chance. And it felt like Shevchenko was trying to make a point with the way she went about this fight because she didn't go with her normal striking and counter-striking plan. She just took her to the floor at will and brutalised her. Uh, yeah, she literally put the whole spectrum of MMA onto Andrada. It was incredible. There, there was elements of striking, which we know she does very, very well. Um, but yeah, you're right. Andrade, we would think, only had the chance really in that clinch, trying to do some damage in clinch, trying to get the takedown, trying to work something there, maybe trying to pinch some rounds off of Shevchenko. But Shevchenko was just too good, absolutely everywhere. She took Andrade down time and time again, sometimes with the same takedown. Andrade just had no answers. I think a little bit, there's, it's part of the physicality differences as well. Andrade's really quite tiny. I've been in the warm-up room before going out two times with Modestus. Um, she was proper compact and, and powerful and explosive. But nevertheless, really, really tiny. So from that physicality point of view, she has to try and close distance to even get in the clinch in the start, you know, to start with. And Shishampio is so good at range. She's so good in the clinch as well. And she's so well-versed on the ground as well. And Drade had a real uphill battle to try and figure out a way to get at Shishenko and find a weakness. I mean, she was just up against it. She really was. And it, it showed itself to be the case. Um, Shishenko is an absolute beast. She really is. She's an animal, mate. Um, right, let's get to the fights. Jimmy Crute, uh, obviously you're very familiar with. Uh, he beat Modestus in his last fight uh, and had looked exceptionally impressive. 
Uh, we predicted that we thought he might get the better of Anthony Smith in this fight. Uh, I didn't expect Anthony Smith to turn up the way he did, even before the injury. I thought Anthony Smith looked incredibly uh, impressive. His jab particularly was sharp. Um, Jordan, I know you've only watched the highlights, mate, but obviously yeah. you would have seen Jimmy Crook versus Modestus yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, did you Were you expecting Jimmy Crook to win this fight first before? Yeah, I just thought Jimmy Crook was going to sort of blast him. I, I, that was my honest thing. I thought he was just going to come out, destroy him. Jimmy Crook's good ever, isn't he? On the ground, wrestling on, um, on the feet. And he's just a thick-set guy compared to um, Smith. But you, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but the low kick I seen on the highlights, it was above the knee. So it wasn't yeah. even like a calf kick that made his foot go funny, which... It was almost like he caught thought. him right on that, um, you know, like your cruciate and your anterior ligaments in the back of your knee. Like, yes. you know, like either side of your knee, you've got like those ligaments which run down. Like if yeah. you put your fingers on the back of your knee, you can feel them, can't you? And I yeah. just felt like it seemed like he caught him right on that. It was weird, though, because it did look like it was like a structural thing. It looked like he had like a bit of a dead leg at first. But yeah. I felt for him because when the ref, the doctor did the check, he managed to walk up and down and hide as it. He back, he fell and then yeah. the doctor kind of was like, oh, OK. And then just as he walked back, his leg crumpled again. Look, I think it was better that the doctor called it, Dan, because... Ultimately, if Jimmy Crook goes in against Anthony Smith with that jab and the way he was, he was just going to piece him up and do a lot of damage to him. Like, And that's potentially where the doctors and the coaches have got to look after the fighters, isn't it? Because you go in one leg against the top-level fighter, and if it goes on for any length of time, there could be a potential for a lot more damage, long-term damage. Yeah, I think if you can't stand up properly, whether you've been knocked dizzy and, and you haven't got your faculties about, about you because you're, you've been dazed or in that case his leg was so compromised that he couldn't stand up and that could either be through hitting the muscle of a leg con consistently or in this case I think it was a ligament um, if you look at where it landed and you know Jordan will tell you how I tell people to do their leg kicks and how to defend their leg kicks you've got to try and protect their outside knee line and um, Everyone knows to kick into the thigh to deaden a leg. But the problem with that is you're kicking a little higher. So you're up on one foot for a little longer duration. And you can also be ankle picked as well. And if you can get ankle picked, that could be a takedown. Or if you get ankle picked, you could be cross handed. So what we teach is to, to kick on the outside of the knee. And likewise, yeah. we have a specific defense for it as well. Um, and the reason why I like to kick in that area is because you get that kind of consequence. It, um, blocks the signals going down to the rest of the leg to the foot to make it activate it literally just kills it off and you only have to get it to land once and that could be pretty much the fight put away whereas when you're trying to deaden the leg sometimes that's a cum cumulative uh, effect um, yeah. and indeed kicking the outside shin you're seeing that when it, it lands in that sweet spot uh, sweet spot it really totally nullifies their game they become flat-footed they become very very protective for that lead leg but you hit him on that that outside knee and, and that's the area that I can't emphasize enough. If you hit it, it's like a money shot. It, it's a, as good as a knockout. But yeah, absolutely, that fight should never have carried on. And it didn't carry on, I'm pleased to say. Um, yeah, he wouldn't have got anywhere in that second round. But look how well he took Smith down um, with a compromised leg. Yeah, and unbelievable. So you, got, wasn't you, you got to wonder that when he was getting pieced up with that jab, because Smith was performing brilliantly, he really, really did. He, he, he was very, very fast, very, very sharp. 
Um, his hands were looking really excellent. I liked his lowered stance. I think that dealt with Kroot very, very nicely because Kroot stood quite tall, even though there's slight height difference. Um, yeah, I, ju I just I just love what I saw from Smith. And you know when we're saying about a crowd, I actually think the crowd kind of got him into fight mode more. I think sometimes we've seen Anthony Smith, you know, walking around. He's almost like not even in the zone. He's not got pepped up in any way. But in this one, he looks brought up by the crowd and he was low down. He starts super sharp with his hands. I just think the crowd carried him through a little bit with this one. And I'm really happy to see it because I really was beginning to write him off. I, I thought he was pretty much done. And facing crew, I thought that was going to be the last time we po might possibly see Smith in UFC. But what a great performance. And, you know, we talk about fighters winning and losing and, and doing it in the right way. Crew's amazing as a winner when he beat Podestas. He was just such a gentleman about it. He really was, um, you know, trying to pick Modestas up uh, morally as well as physically from, from the from the ground where he put him. And look at the way they was after a fight. Uh, absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was really an uh, impressive performance, and I'm sure they'll run that back fight that fight back as soon as uh, Jimmy Cruz fit again. But yeah, the fact he was able to take him down like the, the way he did, even though his leg had gone, was yeah. like yeah, we should have done reaction, that from the get go. He should have, yeah, but he should have been nailing that from the beginning. One thing with the leg kicks, it seems it's the high risk, is the high reward reward with the leg kicks. If you yeah. can't, they can shim block with the, with it, and it's a bad. Yep. Thing. And just yep. above the knee, it just takes that little half an inch of a lift up, and you're kicking the yep. knees. You've yep. just got to sacrifice these things, haven't you? And if it pays off, it yep. pays off. And if it doesn't, you, as Chris Weidman seen, you snap your shin enough. Yeah, that's right. Listen, it, like landing those leg kicks. It is very, very uh, similar in skill uh, trying to land a head kick or trying to land that knockout punch. You've got to try and draw the hands away from the face or you know, create some imbalance and so on and so forth. Landing a kick is just a sense of what stance and what position and what angle you're at to be able to utilize a kick where it can't be uh, chin-checked, it can't be yeah. ankle-picked, you can't be shot in upon. You've got to switch uh, someone into position for those kicks. And he just nailed that kick really, really well. I think it's partially because he's landing those jabs. And if you have a look at the physical walking spectrum of, of crew, he's got slight knock knees. So mm. it's hard for him to cut the knee line to defend those kicks in, in the way that m most people might go about um, defending a kick like that. So, yeah, it was just great choices by Smith. Looked very, very fast, very, very sharp. Um, it's good to see him back. Crew, he's a young man with already amazing wins on his record. He ain't going anywhere very soon. But for Anthony Smith, he needed this fight to stay in UFC and stay relevant. And that's put him straight back in up there. Uh, yeah, spot on, mate. Couldn't have said it better myself. So, uh, the next fight was Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. Hall's on a bit of a streak. He's ranked nine. Weidman's ranked 11. But earlier in their career, uh, Weidman was the first man to beat Uriah Hall. So, it was 11 years ago, I think it was. But, um, you know, it was a big sort of thing at the time. Uh, and it was certainly a big, uh, big thing for Uriah Hall to get this fight back and and really get into it. Uh, the first kick of the fight, Chris Weidman went for a low kick. Uh, it was checked by Uriah Hall, and let Chris Weidman's leg snapped in half, and that's it. Um, and what sadly, what made it even more uh, ironic, if you like, was that all those years ago when Chris White, Chris Weidman was. Uh, Anderson Silva's opponent when this same thing happened to Anderson Silva. Uh, the only difference being it was a bit later in the fight. 
Um, this was horrific to see, I have to say. Uh, and you could see the, you could see how much it shook up uh, Uriah Hall as well. Yeah. Not just the others around it. Like even him, he really looked uh, just shocked and upset by it. Um, it was brutal. It was, you know, you don't like to see that happen to anyone. Um, but, you know, this shit is real. Like, and it, it's, um, it is brutal. Uh, in some way, sometimes, and unfortunately, it's part and parcel of it. Um, Chris Weidman, because of his age and, you know, this sort of injury is such a hard injury to come back from anyway, no matter what age you are. When you have your leg um, snapped like that, the the operation and the, the things that have to go in place just to get you walking again um, and get you healthy, not from a fighting point of view, just to get you healthy and and um able to live your you know live your life pain free and things like that um like let's make no mistake when people snap their legs like that there's also a risk of losing your leg and things like that if they don't get the operation and everything's spot on which i'm sure they will because you know they're gonna have the best medical care available to them um absolutely horrific and obviously we all wish chris weidman the best um there's not much to talk about from the fight dan so just kind of talk Talk us through what you yeah. thought you were watching. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even a case of him checking it. Like we were saying in that previous fight with Crute, um, he, he just was very, very square. Uh, Rihal was very, very square. He had good knee knee line. That's how sort of I describe it. Um, and because he had good knee line and Weidman didn't set the lead leg up, he didn't create angle from himself in, in relation to Rihal or he didn't make him draw back his leg shallow or anything like that. Sometimes you've got to wait for someone to step forward and see how they step forward or see someone, how they retract back. Sometimes they drag the leg or they step forward and they bring it slightly across. They bring it across center a little bit. They're the times to throw those knee and below kicks. Um, he didn't. He, he just went straight in and threw the kick, and that's just not the right way to do it. And so because his stance was more square, he hit him on you know the area of the knee, which is the growth plate. He didn't actually rack it around the side. He hit the front side, and the growth plate is the thickest part of the lower shin. It's the, the hardest bit to damage. You have to get the outside and hit the ligaments, but he didn't get access to that. He actually hit the front side of his knee. And the lower part of your ankle is the slimmest part. And so... If you hit two pieces of wood together and one's thicker, one's thinner, and they're weighing to the same wood, the thin is always going to break. And that's mm. kind of like what we saw here. It is an absolute shame. Weidman kind of got himself back in a form of contention. Um, I don't think he was ever going to be champion in division again. But, you know, he was still relevant. There's still interesting matchups um, you know, being brought to him through his wins. But, yeah, I think that's the end of him now. Um, you know, just the age, the talent pool in these weight divisions now. It's just going to be such a long road back. I think Anderson Silva, when he'd done his, he should have perhaps retired because I don't think his he never was career was... Really, was no, he? and and I don't think it was even down to left break. It was just natural father time catching up with Anderson Silva. He was a reaction-based fighter, a sharpshooter, so to speak, and age took that away from him. And he was a, very much in the shadow of his former self. Um, but, you know... Right, Hall, I mean, what a gentleman, you know, I say a gentleman, you know, he wasn't happy with the way he won. It was a freak accident, but it is a part of the sport. Do you ever remember the other freak accident that happened with, uh, I think it was Randy Couture. He, he got like a skimming punch that tore his eyelid off. Do you ever remember that? I, I vaguely remember kind of way like back. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was absolute horrific injury. I think it was like um, a punch off from the cage 
and it just lacerated his eyelid. At least his mm. split, it was hanging off. It was Brutal. horrific, yeah, yeah. but it is a reality check of what <laughs> this sport potentially is all about. You can you can get these horrific injuries. injuries. Yeah, 100%, mate. And I think it's one of those, isn't it? It's like there's nothing that you can really do about it. And even if he somehow is able to come back as a fighter, like for me, like the anxiety from a mental point of view, that's got a cause. Like Anderson Silva never threw those leg kicks with the same ferocity after that leg break. He still threw them, but they were never the same. And I think mm. that is, you know, look, no matter who the fighter is, no matter how good they are, George, they're, they're, they're still human beings, aren't they? So if yeah. you snap yep. your leg doing something like that, of course there's going to be. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Anderson Silva, Conor McGregor, or if you're me or whoever, that anxiety would always be there. Um, George, from a fighter's point of view, like there's nothing Chris Weidman can do about that to avoid it, really, is it? Other than not throw a leg kick. Yeah, just I think yeah, simple as that. I mean, like Danny said, he could have set it up a bit better. He sort of just threw it. When you've got two fighters, especially at the level they are, and you don't set up a low kick and you just try to throw it, especially from the distance he threw it. I mean, he, you, one of the first things you sort of taught in the gym is to block and defend mm. correct. So, yeah, I mean, it could have just been one of those things. It could have just been in the moment. He just must have thought it was there, and and it wasn't, and then. Yeah, just a freak accident. I mean, what's that? The third time that's happened in the UFC? And think mm. how many fights it's been in the UFC. Yeah. If you think yeah. of it in that way, it's crazy. Yeah, you've got to wonder whether Weidman perhaps saw a weakness in a rival. I think he maybe thought he was a little bit flat-footed, which, you know, he does come forward. He plants his feet to, to have power delivery in his hands. So maybe his whole strategy was to target that leg from the get-go. But... Yeah, you know, like we've all sort of agreed. I think if you're going to throw a leg kick, you have to prep it up somewhat. You can't just you can't just throw it in, especially if someone's dancing correctly and square as he was. You have to displace that leg, and if you can't displace the leg, you've got to change the location of yourself to throw the kick to get the right angle, so it protects yourself against um, such kind of accidents like that. Well, I was yeah, horrible. Say, <laughs> um, you sort of touched on it anyway. What do you think? Do you think that's him done now as a fighter? He's done. Oh, Especially yeah. with the uh, age and, and as horrific as it was, because it split his, his skin, didn't it? You see, yeah. as it pulled back, and I always think the worst isn't even when they break it; it's when they step their weight back on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the bit you go. Yeah. Well, I think the bone side of things is the easier part. It's the it's, ligaments it's and it. the muscle and everything else. Yeah, whether that that ankle will ever be the same again. But the level is just too high. I mean, if he was in his mid-20s, yeah, you would absolutely see him back in, in within a couple of years. But with his age and, like I say, that talent pool in any of the divisions now, UFC is very, very much becoming a young man's sport. You're, you're seeing people very, very rare hitting over 35 from middleweight or below, or maybe sort of like welterweights really and below. Very, very few people are still effective at 35 or over. Um, you start to seeing things slow down a little bit for them. Um, heavyweights and light heavyweights a little bit different. You know, they can appear to go on to their early 40s. Yeah, um, yeah it's just a shame. It's sad. Uh, I, I don't want to see him come back from this in, in terms of being competitive. Of course, I want to see him get better. I want to see him not lose his his leg in any way. Yeah, um, I just want to see him made pain-free and yeah, be able to live his life it. pain-free. Because... Yeah, he, he could go into commentating. He could 
uh, you know, going to, to coaching. Um, this guy's still done incredible things in the sport. Yeah, 100%, mate. And look, it was um, absolutely brutal. Um, not nice to see at all. And this, um, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it, where you just got to hope he can just get the best uh, care and recovery that he can possibly get. Um, yeah. And, of course, because of these two injuries in the first two fights, we were into these the effectively the co the first co main event, which was the first title fight of the night. Um and it was the women's fly uh, flyweight uh title fight. Shav Valentina Shevchenko taking on and Jessica Andrade, who's the number one contender. Shevchenko, as we discussed earlier, Danny, made a point yep. you do not see many fighters get their opponent in a crucifix and just elbow and punch them in the face at will. Yeah, if you ever look at all of Shevchenko's fights, um, she does it time and time again. She loves going to side control, whereas you see a lot of the men and the women, to be fair, they like a lot to work from half guard uh, when they've got a top position. Or, or, of course, if the guy uh, or girl is really proficient on the ground, they're quite often fighting through the open guard. But she really presses to get into the side control and she has a systematic routine. She starts punching. They defend with the near side arm. She grabs all the near side arm wrist. She steps over it and she takes it out of commission. And then she works on the firearm by trying to um, get her head and, and answer the phone, so to speak, to, to hold her hand to the head to take the other arm out of the equation. Of course, you're completely naked for punches and elbows. And she's really made it profit, prof, proficient. Um, she's the only one that I see really doing this as a regular go-to. But she's obviously doing it in training. Um, she's clearly doing it real life in the fights. And it's becoming a bit of a her bread and butter move. Um, in terms of ground on, on the ground, but what really impressed me was her wrestling. Um, if you uh, you didn't see any of this, did you, Jordan? But if you have a look, um, some of the she things we've been covering. Doctor, she kept getting yeah, that's it. And we've been working on a lot of body what, lot takedowns against the cage and out in the open. And this was slightly different from what we was doing on. Uh, was we doing the body lock on the Friday? Wasn't we? Yeah. Um, we did it where we took the arm in. Um, so you got different types of body locks. You can um, have near side arm trapped. Uh, far arm trapped and um, no arm trapped. She was doing it where she didn't have any of the arms trapped. Um, but still, uh, what was really impressing me there was how she took the hip. She was setting it up really, really lovely. Um, she was a, the only thing that I didn't like about what Shishenko did. She tried to finish early with a rear naked choke when she really didn't have angle. She was not behind enough to get it off. Mm. Um, she seemed to loiter holding on to it, having hopes for something that just wasn't there. But I mean, that's about all I could pick on with her performance. Other than that, it was utterly perfect. Punches were crisp. Uh, kicks were crisp. Her takedowns were just wonderful. Time and time again, she took a dry to clean off her feet with some of those takedowns. And the ground was exemplary. Really was a demonstration of control in every range. Yeah, 100%. Um, George, how good is Valentina Shevchenko, mate? crazy i mean she could compete with some of the men couldn't she i mean not the top top level but i mean you know she could definitely jump in there with um with men and give them a definitely a good go i bet i bet you she spars with men all the time and mm. i bet you she's always pacing them up but it, it, it you get some of these women that are just freaks so they're just levels and levels above anybody anybody else yeah. yeah, it's not even a it's not even a physicality. She's not doing anything explosive. It's just no. technically crisp. And yeah. then on top of being technically crisp, you've got to have a good strategy. She always yeah. seems to have a great strategy put in place. And then well, not only that, 
protein coach, haven't they? You've got her, you've got, you know, the lightweight, um, Rafael Fiziev. Right. They've just got a nice knockout on Mo Mo Moicano. They, they're all from the same gym. Right. People, they're all Kurdistan, so. Right. They've got a wealth of yeah. talent over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like, doing amazing. And by the way, um, in uh, Jessica Andrade's last fight, she ended Caitlin Shkagian with a couple of... Um, Body shots, yeah. Body shots to the ribs. And Shevchenko in the clinch against the fence took four or five just straight up punches to the ribs. Proper. And they weren't like glancing blows. These were like almost like, if you like, everything Andrade had into these punches because she was trying to get away from her. Didn't even flinch. Didn't even didn't budge. Didn't move. Didn't react. She just took him. Um, she naps you animal and like i gotta say the only shevchenko fight which interests me now is her fighting uh amanda nunez again and i know people will say well you know she's been beaten twice by uh nunez but they both went to decision and she yeah. competed in both so it's not like yeah. she's been knocked out twice and you're just doing it for the sake of it like to me there's there there is something there and look who wouldn't want to see that fight again and can you imagine if Shevchenko is the one that was able to beat Amanda Nunes? You could yeah. then roll it back again. Yeah, you yeah. could. You could end up with like a five-fight series of these two absolute once-in-a-lifetime talents. So the other, the name that they were mentioning on UFC was Lauren Murphy as potential contender. Uh, she's currently ranked fourth behind Caitlin Shikagian. For me, I just think, don't rush it. Like, don't... Um, She's only she's on a three fight win streak. Um, she beat she bought uh, she beat Shara Rover uh, in October, so she hasn't had a fight. That was October twenty twenty, so she hasn't had a fight for a while. Um, she beat uh, Modafari. She beat uh, Lee. You know she's doing very well. I just think if you feed her to Shevchenko now, Shevchenko will beat her. And what? Like I just. Give her a couple. Give her one of those top fight top, top fighters. Give her uh, Chikagian, and if she beats Chikagian, then yeah, go. For, you know, she's earned that shot at Shevchenko. But like all those names that I just mentioned, she's beat. None of them are in the top five. Yeah. If you're going to give her Valentina Shevchenko, arguably one of the best women's MMAists of the last well of a lifetime. Yeah. Why would? You, like she should beat someone in the top three, surely first or top five. Yeah, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong with uh, Shevchenko, but I'm sure I've seen on an, an, an embedded before. It was one three five she used to fight at. Yeah, that's the way. That's yeah. Amanda's weight class. She didn't cut weight for that either, did she? She used to just no. walk in. No, she was smaller. Yeah, yeah. I don't know she cuts big for the one two five either. She's probably only cutting the last little part. Maybe not even in water. Maybe just dieting down. So yeah. You never know. Just looking like so, uh, I'm going off memory, but I believe uh, Shevchenko she beat Jennifer Meyer, didn't she? Because everyone thought Jennifer Meyer was going to give her trouble in the grappling, yeah. and she didn't. Um, she's beaten Caitlin Chikagian. Um Joanne Calderwood did she? F I can't remember if she faced uh, Chikagian. I don't think she did. The Scottish girl, like, and even she has had a bit of a rocky uh, time of it. So. Calderwood beat Jessica I last time out. Uh, she lost to Jennifer Meyer. Uh, she beat Lee. So, I mean, like, maybe. And I mean, 
that's like a May, but she beat Lipsky as well. Um, May and she's beaten Ferrari. So I mean, the only person Joanne Calderwood has lost to any time recently is um, is Jennifer Meyer, who obviously lost to Shevchenko. Maybe, and I, it is a maybe you could do Shevchenko versus Joanne Calderwood. But again, for me, Shevchenko would win that pretty simply. Like, yeah. and I don't get you know as a Brit, I want Joanne Calderwood to win, but. Shevchenko is a once-in-a-lifetime talent. And I don't know what you guys think, but I just think if if, if you take Amanda Nunes out of the picture, Shevchenko would get a lot more credit and hype. But because yeah. Amanda Nunes has been so dominant and so incredible, she almost takes away a little bit from Shevchenko's dominance. Would you agree yeah. with that, Dan? Uh, no, I just think that everyone knows that they're both absolute stars. And uh, the only reason why they're getting pitted against each other for any reason is because they are both so dominant in their respective divisions and the divisions are close enough where we can pit them against each other. Mm. That at the end of the day, yes, ultimately it's about winning. But I think when you're stepping up um, in weight to face someone in another division, I think it's Shevchenko's in a, a, a win-win no matter what. You know, if she loses, well, okay, She's losing to someone that's naturally bigger than her. If Nunes wins, okay, she keeps establishing herself as as the, the dominant one. No one can come up into her division and, and sort of like take it away from her. But Shevchenko is not going to lose anything by facing Nunes. She's only ever going to gain financially and, and fermenting her legacy even more so if she does pull off the win, which she's absolutely capable of doing. Yeah, they're, they're both beasts. Both of them are absolute legends in the sport already, and anything more that they do is just going to add to that status. Uh, they're both absolutely wonderful, and I would love to see that fight again. Um, I don't know whether they're so keen about running a pass a third time. I'm really not sure, but it is difficult. Got to wonder, one person, yeah, one, two fights, isn't it? It's difficult yeah, to build it. So, like the, the, the worrying part on the fans' perspective is. I think Nunes and Shevchenko could possibly be within between one and five fights from retirement anyway. Um, they are, they're not going to get any younger and they've been so dominant. They, I'm sure they've really earned well financially out of the sport so far. I think facing each other is just going to ferment their financial situation. And you've got to wonder what the drive would be. You know, what do they do? Carry on in the divisions being really, really dominant. Okay, I know some people love fighting for the sake of, sake of fighting, but... I don't know. I don't know what's in it for him anymore, being so so dominant. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. How old is Shevchenko? Thirty-three. Mm, yeah. Jeez, run it, run it back in a double retirement match. Yeah, yeah. Just, Too just nice do it. Just do a w, do a WWE style match, and the winner, the loser, has to retire. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put some steps yeah. in there. Yeah, Amanda Nunes, she's 32. So they're, they're both coming up to that. Uh, you know, so they then, are in the latter, latter stages. They're certainly in, still within their peak, but they, they could yeah. be within a few years of beginning to just taper off from their peak. But I don't know. Does anyone want to carry on their career to a point where it's father time beginning to well, if no take one can away your victories? If no one can beat either one of them, they could keep going, can't they? Yeah, I just if think... Someone's got to take it, for, take it then off. You get, then you get boring, don't you? Because everyone's like, oh, yeah. they're going to end Yeah, yeah. I think you have to sometimes freshen up the divisions and, you know, the person who's really dominant just steps out and then it gets all interesting again. Um, yeah, they, they've, they've just been dominant for this era. What can you say? I mean, they'll be spoke about forevermore. 
We can't say you're dominant when you keep winning by split decision. How many more times do you want us to mention this? <laughs> Mind you, in saying that, we've got someone else. I don't know how to say his surname. We've got Haddy. What's how to say his surname? Haddy Shakir. Yeah. He's more of a split decision guy than even Jordan. He's a world yeah. amateur champion. He is actually a real talent. Um, he's a good lad. Love him to bits. Um, anyone that no comes, stopping power. <laughs> no stopping power. He's got really good hands. He's actually becoming a pretty good wrestler, and um, he's not half bad on the ground. He's he's pretty well rounded individual, but, but no one for his hands. No power at all. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we kind of like tease him a bit. Honestly, if anyone comes to our gym, they'll think Jordan and Hadi are in a relationship. <laughs> uh, they're like they're always together. They're always bickering, but, I, I, but they can't the live pimp. without each other. I'm the <laughs> <pimp>. <laughs> we'll have to get Hadi on sometime. He, he's a great lad. Oh yeah, but he just <laughs> melts, doesn't he? And he's like. We'll get him on with you. Maybe we could do like a double header and you'll both be there together. That'd be hilarious. I'll slap him <laughs> on camera. <laughs> um, so next up was the women's strawweight title fight. Didn't go as we thought it was. And I want to tell you what, this division is interesting. Um, you've got, obviously, uh, the new champion, Rose Namajunas, is the first female uh, in the UFC to ever regain a title that they, she lost. Um, knocked out Zhang Wiley with a wild head kick beautifully on the button. And then I got to say, I felt like there was a, the ref could have stopped it after the head kick. They probably didn't need those extra shots, but you know, it is what it is. I also thought, by the way, that um, Herb Dean was out of position in the main event uh, because when New, uh, Usman knocked him out, he took three hammer fists to the jaw where he was already unconscious. But Herb right. Dean was like around the back, but I will talk right. about him. Um, John yeah. Wiley um, obviously has been super dominant, showed how tough she is. She took all that damage against Joanna uh, and then got knocked out clean by Rose with a, a beautiful head kick. She faked to go low and went high. Uh, Jordan, you've seen the finish to this, mate. What do you think about it? Beautiful. And you can just see, just switch the lights off, fold her in half like a piece of paper. Crazy yeah, MMA cool. maths is just mental, isn't it? You mm. get Andrade picks Rose up, dumps her on a head, beats her. You get Whaley destroys Andrade easy. You get Rose comes in, knocks her out of a head kick. You just can't buy it. This is why I, don't bet. I only bet on myself. That's yeah. why I don't bet on anyone else because you can <laughs> be certain. I mean, Rose is an amazing fighter, but I was for sure certain that, that yeah, me uh, too. Whaley would have just come in and battered her, and yeah. yeah knocked out first round head kick crazy i thought i thought wang jang uh, wiley would just i thought she'd have too much for rose i just thought she'd be too tough too brutal and rose just sparked a clean out it was beautifully done danny this was quite the performance and they're uh, the first female to ever regain a title uh in the ufc yeah well, what a great achievement and if you remember when we were doing the predictions again i went with my leaf to win uh, but my heart was always with Rose. I would love, you know, was loving the idea of her becoming champion yet again. Um, you know, clearly Rose knew what she had to do to to win, or more importantly, with this situation, how not to lose. And that's not to stay on centre line. She had to play outside. She had to keep her away. And she was doing all the right things. And uh, not only was she doing the right things defensively, she had some tricks up her sleeve for the attacks. And she is tricky with those kicks. She's very, very, very rangy. She knows how to prep them up. 
and she caught Wally really early. Uh, and with something simple as threatening to go low and coming up high, it was just beautiful. And a few extra punches for good measure. I think it was a, a wonderful stoppage by the referee. Um, I think if he stepped in just from the head kick, could have been argued to be too soon. Um, then I think Wiley would have been kicking up the stink even more so. I just don't think she knew what happened, Wiley. I think the only reason yeah. she was protesting is because she just flash knocked out and uh, was unaware of how bad it was. But I think when she saw the replay, she soon quietened up and realised yeah. that, yeah, she, she had been knocked the hell out. But Rose, what? how amazing. How amazing. Um, well done to her. And, you know, what's next for her now? I mean, that division is quite interesting. There's mm. some interesting matchups for her. Do you think they'll re? I think they'll run this back. I do. Um, I think, yeah, I, think it re- could I think they'll rematch that probably straight away. I got to say, I think um, when I look at the division, there's a couple of names in there, which you know they are interesting. Uh, there's uh, the I think she's Chinese, but I'm not 100 sure. Yan Shinan, uh, she's mm. 13 and one. Uh, she's ranked three in that division. She looks great. Um, maybe they'll do her versus Shang Wiley. First, yeah, yeah, and then the winner gets um, a shot at Rose, or they might. Ju- I wouldn't be surprised if they just run it back straight away and do yeah, the rematch yeah. because it was over quite quick and it was, yeah, you know, no real damage to either fighter. Um, and then we had the main event, all the hype was on this one. Uh, obviously, they fought at Fight Island when Jorge Masvidal came in for Gilbert Burns on six days' notice, took him, uh, he took Usman five rounds that time on six days' notice. He said with a full camp, he could do it. He did not. The first round was really interesting, really good. The second round was over pretty quick as uh, Usman hit him with a beautiful right hand, which put his lights out. And then uh, there was a couple of uh, hammer fists to follow. So what I what I was saying about the finish is they both stood, you know, getting ready to strike. Usman hits him with this beautiful right hand, straight right, uh, hits him on the button. He goes down. He's out. And then he gets hit with three or four hammer fists right on the button, right on the side of the jaw. But uh, Herb Dean was behind uh, Usman. So he had to go around him to check if uh, Masvidal was unconscious. So by the time he got round, he'd hit those three hammer fists. Mm. You know, Herb Dean's the best in the business, but I just felt he was a little bit out of position and, you know, you had a fighter take three big shots to a already unconscious. Probably was not needed, but you know, here's what it is. Uh, and to be fair to Masvidal afterwards, he was very humble in defeat once he knew what had happened. He's, I don't think he knew what had happened at first because um, he was asking his team, like, what the hell happened? But once he saw it and they explained, he was very humble. Um, and also in his interview afterwards, he said, Usman was the better man. He's got my number. He was very respectful. And I think Usman's earned that respect, by the way, because Usman early in his UFC career was very much regarded as just a wrestler who couldn't strike. Um, and now he's knocking fools out left and right. Um, impressive. Uh, impressive, impressive performance, I have to say. And uh, the Usman train rolls on, Jordan. Are you muted, mate? Because you we can't hear you. He's silent. Can't hear you at all. Gone. You got no sound. I think it must brother. be his connection. No sound. Can't hear. <laughs> um, 
Go on, then. What did you think of Usman's performance, mate? I thought it was pretty special. Practically faultless. And this guy's just becoming more and more dominant. He's, yeah, was predominantly known as a wrestler, which he can always fall back on when needed, just not needing to. Although he did demonstrate some nice wrestling. Again, and he's got I'm older the hits. Back in oh, there. my God. You know what it is? I'm so <laughs> I bothered. Jump. People keep phoning me. I keep fucking turning them off. And then they take my sound away. All I was going to say quickly is I didn't see the first round, but McGregor posted something saying Usman copied the way he strikes or something like that. Did any of you see that? Yeah, no. they, um, McGregor, well, McGregor put, wants that fight already. He put like, I yeah. can't let like, Usman copy my shots without giving him a smack for it or something like that. <laughs> there you go. That's a crazy guy. Danny, you said Usman was faultless. Do you know what? I think the one fault he's got is when he gets mm. a little bit frustrated or he loads up those shots his striking gets a bit wild and he gets like those wild swings. But when he's on point and just technically striking, he's very, very good. And he showed that he's got power. Just there was yeah. one once or twice in that first round where he overloaded and it was like a big wild yeah. sort of swing, like against a good, like a top level counter striker. You could get caught with that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, he's so good. Absolutely he's so agree. Cool. Yeah. There was a couple of times he broke form. But it's so rare. He pulls himself back in line very, very quickly. But of course, you know, when you've got two top tier athletes, especially someone uh, as dangerous as Mazaval, you know, really, really dangerous striker, there are going to be times when the pressure in the pocket is going to get to you and you start swinging a little bit. Um, and there's emotions that are running high and so on and so forth. But other than that, Usman's pretty measured in every yeah. move that he makes, other than that. Um, the thing that I noticed he was doing was punching extremely deep and long. Um, his time on target at times when he went for the body was a little long. It was almost like there were hits to the body that were pushing away, but it was just keeping Mazdaville out. And I think that was done to negate his jumping knees, stopping them potentially being successful. Okay. But he demonstrated great wrestling. He, he kept targeting Mazdaville's hips, kept getting those takedowns as and when he knew needed to if he chose to. Uh, but the hands were just wonderful really really wonderful I feel like Masafer was beginning to open up his defence a little bit because he knew he had to try to get on his bike and try and play catch up he knew he was behind him after that first round and had to try to get back on level terms in that second round but he left himself open and again Usman was punching very very long and deep and he just cracked him across the jaw but he seems to be able to displace people and crack them on the side of the jaw he gets people almost looking away he just angles it he did the same to Covington you know, when he when you see those slow motions of the punches, he punched so deep through, and he's catching them right on the side and ripping their head. It, it, it's really wonderful to see. It, it's just isn't it incredible that someone that's a pedigree wrestler literally puts themselves in a position themselves in a position to be known as a world class striker within the format and on the learning uh, on the learning train during an MMA career. Goes to show that's you incredible. can do it. Yeah, uh, and we always always already mentioned Jack Shaw, you know, someone that hasn't been high school wrestling like Americans do. Um, not wrestling bears like the Kekistanians do or whatever you yeah. say their name. Um, you know, he's just born and bred in Wales and he can wrestle like the way he can. Look, if you want to acquire skills, whether it's striking, wrestling or grappling or in the full spectrum of MMA, you can do it. You just got to have belief. You got to have good coaches around you, good training partners around you and anything's accessible for you. It really is. Absolutely, mate. Hundred percent. The interesting uh, for me, I at least, uh, is who they go with Usman next. Um, for me, 
I think it's got to be Leon Edwards, but I think they'll Dana White will do Colby Covington and they'll rematch uh, Leon Edwards against the guy uh, who he fought, which the ended with an eye poke. I forget his name. Um, yeah, uh, Bilal. Yeah. yeah. Leon Edwards to, deserves that title yeah. shot. I, I'm actually agreeing with you. I think Leon Edwards and Usman should be next. Um, yeah. Covington's had his chance. You know, he had his jaw broke. I, I just, yeah. yeah. I don't get it. Well, we, we spoke about this week after week, at the frustration of why they ain't letting Leon have he the shots that, that he shot deserves. And then yeah. Also, what frustrates me is that, look, Leon Edwards, to me, I look at those fighters in the top five or six. You've got Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, Masvidal, Stephen Thompson. Masvidal's got this match. He's ranked lower than Leon Edwards. And mm. out of all those fighters, I believe Leon Edwards would give Masvidal the most trouble. Just no, no, that's for no, me. No, you mean Usman? Usman uh, yeah, sorry. Trouble. Usman the yeah. most trouble. Yeah, I, I um, agree. And I find it really frustrating that Thing. Come on, look, Usman's been a champion now for some quite, quite a number of fights. I think he's broken the records, hasn't he? I think he's... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We've seen him against Covington. We've seen him against Masterville twice now. Let's just get some fresh meat having a pop, pop at the title, yeah? And, right. and in the fo Here's form of Leon. Prime GSP versus Usman now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, that would be, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Sorry, what are you thinking? Oh, that'd be good. That's like think, a dream um, fight. Yeah. I yeah, do you know what? Just sort of completely off the chain of thought. I um I was watching uh Falcon versus Winter Soldier last night, the finale of that, and um the last couple of episodes, G GSP turns up, he's like a a body in really? it. Really? Yes. <laughs> he he's growing a bit of hair, isn't it? Have you seen yeah. him as well? He's growing some hair, hasn't he, lately? He was like uh, he was like playing this French bad guy. I was saying to my missus, wow. it's, "It's GSP," and she's like, "What the hell are you going on about?" What do you think, Danny? I'd love to see that. I'd I'd say GSP. To to, to me, his um, his weakness was more being fragile with his um, with being susceptible to cuts, swelling. His face looks abrased very very easily. Um, and so I just think if they have a very, very close fight, I think sometimes the judges could possibly always sway it in favour of Usman because he's just not going to look as battered as GSP. <laughs> GSP always looks absolutely yeah, bat battered. It's the picture after anyway. the Nate Diaz fight where he's got ice on his head. His face is <laughs> yeah, he just looks battered. And um, yeah, that's the only thing that would go against him in my mind. But what a fight that would be. It'd be super interesting. I know. Yeah, Leon you Edwards might... made... For me as well, I think should get the shot. Yeah, the GSP is a dream fight in it versus Usman. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see GSP again. Um, I was listening no. to him. Uh, I, I think it was on Joe Rogan. Yeah, I don't want him to ruin his legacy. You know, he's yeah. done so much, and the fact that he come back and did what he did to Bispin just really fermented. Finish his, on high. Yeah, the awe of respect, fans yeah. and people in the <laughs> MMA community who are in the know. You know, he's an incredible guy. Really, really is. And he stayed a gentleman throughout as well. Mm, spot on. Okay, to finish us off, mate, I want to get your predictions for a couple of fights, which are next week. Uh, oh, yeah, I, don't got... I haven't even looked. 
main event, Dominic Reyes versus Jiri Prochaga. Prochaka. That's the crazy Polish guy, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. You got Jordan. Uh, I think the crazy Polish guy, I watched him versus um, Ozdemir, was it? His debut was against Ozdemir and he was just crazy and got that crazy knockout. Yeah, he's a really explosive striker. I think just the guy's just a big, awkward freak, and I think he's going to cause a lot of them problems the way he moves. and Not mm-hmm. technically the best, but just a freak. I'm going to say the the Polish guy. Crazy Polish dude. Yeah, I'm going to go with that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go for him as well. <laughs> uh, and then we've got um, Cub Swanson versus G- Gija Chikese. Uh, we'll go with oh, that's, the, that's, that's I can't the think who that is. That's the kickboxer. Oh, the really up. sharp, really super sharp. He got good knees as well, isn't he? Yeah. The, yeah. yeah the, 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 he's had like sixty kickboxing fights. Yeah, but cups. What you can't, can't ever write that guy off either. Um, remember the Duho Choi was the meant to be the next big thing, and him and Cubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to go Cubs once, and uh, why not? Let's go for the old fella. Yeah, fuck it. Let's you go. got champ. <laughs> The yeah, champ is going with Cub Swanson. The champ has spoken. Yes. Um, and then finally, we'll ask you for Mirab Dishvali versus Cody Stamen. That's a good fight, by the way. That's the, the wrestler that takes everybody down about 100 times, isn't it? Yeah, and just sits on them. You know what, Danny? It's the one you talked about, how he picks them up and he places them down wrong, how they can bounce back up again. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Mirab. that guy? Yeah, yeah. Is that, did you see him jump in the ice, by the way, and split his head open? Oh. No. There's a video of him where he goes to dive into ice, but he, he thinks it's thinner than what it is. And it, it's no. Right open, yeah. <laughs> you will. Ouch. Crazy guy. That's, so, that's something the Mernses would do. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, but their big, head, their big head would cause a bloody tsunami or something. <laughs> <laughs> So you're going uh, Murab or Stamen? Uh, that Murab guy, I think he'll just wrestle fuck him as always. Yeah, yeah same. So. Danny, uh, here's a funny one for you. You'll like this one. Remember the gym Tsunami? It used to be Tsunami. Uh, it used to be the gym Lee Doskin all that were from it. Remember that oh, back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, in Cambridge. Cam- they used yeah, to be called yeah. originally Cambridge Free Fight originally. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what there was. They were called Tsunami. Tsunami, that's right, yeah. Dan Giddle pissed himself at this as well. Barbie come back from there once and was like, yeah, I've been training at Tsunami. <laughs> <laughs> Tsunami. And we were going, what? Where have you been training? like, you know, Tsunami. <laughs> <laughs> that's just Ryan Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Uh, I don't think they're running anymore. Do, uh, they're not, but I just always They're gone now. Tsunami. He said it was such that was a, a top... That was a top team back in the day. Um, yeah, Robbie Olivier used to head it. <laughs> they were all good wrestlers. They all used to wrestle screw everyone on the circuit. Yeah. Good. Um, I will ask you for one more prediction. Um, it's a boxing prediction, Dan, so um, you'll be oh, happy. I probably, won't, I probably won't know them. Next, May, uh, next week on Saturday, we've got um, Derek Chisora is fighting Joseph Parker at heavyweight. Who do you think is going to win that heavyweight bout? Zora. What about you, Jordan? Um, yeah, Chisora as well. Here's one for you, then, quickly. Canelo or Saunders? Oh, I'm looking forward to that fight a lot. What are you um, thinking? My heart says Billy Joe Saunders. 
and yeah, I know that I know a couple of people who are very close to him, and um, I just think Canelo is just too good for everyone. To be honest, right. he's just crazy good. He's a once in a lifetime talent for me. Uh, and then lastly, Chris Eubank Jr. versus Marcus Morrison. Don't know who that is, Marcus Morrison. No, go with you. Could I'll go with you, Eubank Jr. Just yeah, Eubank Jr. Um. And there's also a good female fight on that boxing card as well. So we might have a little chat about that next week, Danny, just to give you yeah, some sure. stuff to watch. And yeah, um, also that Andy Ruiz, uh, who beat uh, Joshua, is fighting next Saturday as well on yeah. Premier Sports, whatever that is. Um, Sorry. Yo. What about what about uh, Danny Batten as the Cage Warriors World Champion versus me as the Cage Warriors World Champion? <laughs> Hey, if we're basing um, it on that last spa, I would be champion. Fuck off. <laughs> tell him about, <laughs> about this spa. Um, I was having to go gentle with him because I've got a weight advantage on him. And so he thought, he thought, well, he don't want to stir the bee's nest up. So he went gentle to me. So I didn't go too hard on him. And because the pace was a little bit more soft, he opened himself up to being taken down. Of course, me being the wizard on the ground that I am. Wizard. You know, Played around with a little bit on the, on the ground. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I nipped around off him. Right, so here's my that's how I saw it. And then so Jordan won by a split decision. <laughs> so we come out, we're sparring, and I think, oh, he wants to go soft today, so we're nice and good. <laughs> we're moving, we're playing. Next thing, the the, bite, the buzzer goes, one minute left, still nice. Danny shoots the fastest double leg he's ever shot. <laughs> <laughs> and took me down and nicked around the little bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I've never sparred him since. Yeah. He, he refuses to spar him. <laughs> it's so funny. That's how it's yeah. going to stay. Oh, uh, Jordan, ask, ask me again and I'll tell you my honest opinion. Danny Batten in his prime versus me. Not even in my prime yet. <laughs> so, you're both my friends. Um, so it's difficult, but I'm going to go with... Defending champion, welcome Danny Podcast Network.